Welcome everyone to Anonymous Addiction Deprogramming Podcast with Bobby C. We have some guests. You know, I, I have to say, you know, we're we're four days into the new year, nine, yes. 20, 2022. You believe it? Two years have passed. Uh, I've been starting these podcasts about two years, and two years is just going by. And I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for these podcasts, me getting connected with other people, I, I t- it's helped me immensely. So everybody, I want you to know that you are helping me, and we're all teachers and students with this. You know, so it's a new year, it's a new day, and it's a new moment. Now, my, my special guests are, I'll tell you, Look, Robbie's been on a couple of programs and we've, I've been getting a lot of feedback. I've been getting a lot of feedback and people saying thank you, okay, to you and me and other people doing this deep program. So that's why I'm continuing doing this. If I felt that I wasn't truly helping somebody because I get a lot of comments and I read the comments all, all the time. So we're going to be talking to Dave and Robbie today. You know, they're, they're, they brought up the topic. I didn't even bring up this topic. They brought up a topic. It's kind of like, I think I'm going to label this deprogramming from AA through the eyes of the spouse and friends, or let's just say family and friends. So Robbie, I'm going to, I'm going to give it back to you and Dave and you guys do your thing and tell us, tell us why you're here and what you want to, what kind of message you want to put out. Sure, sure. Anyway, excuse me, I do have a cold. I'm almost, I'm almost over it now, but I'm, I'm getting there. But anyway, uh, I'm, first of all, Happy New Year to everybody out there. Um, I just am very, very grateful that we connected, you know, uh, some time ago. And that, you know, for me, I, I've been involved in Alcoholics Anonymous and around Alcoholics Anonymous since 1981. And so from 1981 to 2020, a week shy of my 29th anniversary, um, I just didn't have it in me to, to stomach getting up there and getting my medallion and doing all that nonsense. It was like unplugging, you know. Um, and so it's really interesting because now that I'm looking back um, several months later, this deprogramming thing is like, it's taking one brick at a time away. You know, it's been, it's, I've been, I've been around this talk for 39 years and so for me, it's, it's been a real adjustment period. And I'm so grateful that I have a supportive partner um, who's been around the, uh, he's been around AA ever since we've been together. We'd be, we're coming up to like 14, 15 years being together. So when Dave and I met, uh, I was knee deep in the program and we got married in a couple of years into the program. After we met, we got married and we've been together. So he's seen it all from the big speaking engagements I've been all over the world, really, uh, speaking in, at different conferences, small meetings, large meetings, different occasions um, around the world. And I've been blessed with that for sure. And uh, so Dave's been a part of that journey and, uh, you know, the support. And the very first time that I said, would you like to come to a meeting with me, um, was uh, it was a Sunday night, an open speaker meeting. And after he... Um, after the meeting was over, somebody came over and um, welcomed Dave into the meeting. And, and basically, you go ahead and say what, what happened. So he welcomed me as I walked through the door. And I can't remember the exact conversation, but it went something like this. Hi, I'm you know, so-and-so. I said, hi, hi, nice to meet you. And he said, uh, how long have you been an alcoholic? And I said, and welcome to the meeting. And I said, uh, I'm not an alcoholic. 
And he looked at me and said, well, you're in denial. I said, Whatever you like, I'm not an alcoholic. And, and it just sort of, I thought that sort of uh, gave me an insight as to what was going to, what was going to happen. And it was very interesting as time went by to see how effective the cult is. Hmm. Now I'm ex-military and you can say that the military in and of itself is a cult, but not quite the same way. <laughs> I mean, we, there are mantras, especially among pilots of which I'm one. Um, there are mantras and then there's dogma. And AA was filled with a lot of dogma that didn't have any common sense behind it. That was the biggest thing I noticed. It was, it was meant to strip you of all your personality and all your, everything that you've been taught as a child coming up, good or bad. So you can say that if it stripped you of the bad things, that was good. But if it stripped you of the good things, that was bad. There seemed to be no balance. So the years went by. I took uh, Robbie with me on one of my flying trips to Aruba one Christmas, and we went to a meeting. And this was in the first couple of years that we were married. And it was an open And it open was an meeting. open meeting. And it was, it was quite different. Everybody, uh, and for those of you who are AA and listen to me talk, bear in mind that I really only went to speak uh, to open meetings where we sat in chairs, not in a circle. But this one was done in a circle and everybody had to talk. And it came to me and I went, nah. And they went, no, no, you got to talk. And I said, okay. Uh, I just got out of a 42-year marriage. And everybody went, whoa, man, you're in a lot of trouble. I said, not anymore. <laughs> and so that was, and they, and I would say that a lot of the people in the, uh, home group that we Robbie belonged to over time they just believed that I was in the program yeah right yeah. I, I would go and sit in what we call the geezer the geezer row oh yeah with geezer. all the old guys and they welcomed me in and they all knew I was not an alcoholic I uh but and I still drank and perhaps too much but I was a pilot in the air force that's the only <laughs> thing we had to do and about nine years ago Mm -hmm. Nine years ago, after one party on the dock where we keep our boat, I got up in the morning and I just said, well, I've had enough of that. And I just stopped. It was it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never said, you know, you should think about your drinking because he didn't drink. He didn't drink what was in my head about an alcoholic. He just liked to have a drink every now and again. Anyway, this is real. You know what? Let me, let me jump in here because I can relate to that so much. I had friends. I. I had a bunch of friends like used to, you know, I had this one gal, I'll say her first name, Nana. She was like, we loved her, me and my family. She was involved with the alcoholics and not just like you, Robbie. And her husband would come to the meetings and they would do the same thing. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can relate to it. It's like, it's like I was there while you were talking. It was like, I felt like I was there, you know? And then Dave was talking about stripping of our identity. You know, I can yeah. relate to that. He made a great point when he, when he said, the good, you know, we talk about the bad, we're stripping the bad away, but we're also stripping the good away, our own identity, our own personality and who we are and, and giving our uh, will and life and care over to another society. That, that's yeah. a cult, cult mentality. Continue yeah. on, continue on. I just wanted to touch base with that. I would, I would like to add one thing that I, that I noticed right from the beginning. And I waited a couple of years 
before I said anything. And as the time went by, I would go to these meetings where we sat in the chairs. And we used to set up together too. Yeah, we, we, we I would help set, up. set up the meeting. I wouldn't make the coffee because no one could drink. <laughs> but we would set up and I would, I would sit back and finally one time I said to Robbie, I said, every single one of you does what I'm about to explain and you do it without fail. I said, when you go up to speak and they give you the bottle of water, when you drink the bottle of water, when I drink a bottle of water, I go sip, sip, and everybody else goes little, 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 little. <laughs> down goes the bottle. Down the hatch. Down the hatch. And I said, if there was one big indicator of where your problem lied, maybe it was that, but it was just one of those funny little things <laughs> that everybody that everybody that I saw speaking, men, women, old, young, they all drank the water the same way. We drank the Kool-Aid. You drank the Kool-Aid. Jim Jones had nothing on you guys. Yeah. So it was, it was fascinating. But it was, it, as time went by, I never, I mean, I would, I was fascinated by the ability of some people to drag themselves up from the bottom oh, yes. the way they did. Honestly, I thought to myself many times, uh, I, could, I would just stay down there. That was too much work which is thankfully I was never an alcoholic and got to the bottom, but uh, got to the bottom on a bunch of business deals over my <laughs> 74 years, oh, yeah. but you know, not as bad as you would think. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but so that was the big thing that I saw. And then as years went by, I started to notice with Robbie how some things just didn't sit right. Mm -hmm. And I would always hold back because it was her thing, right? I actually learned a lot by going to AA, mm -hmm. believe it or not, there were a lot of things that ordinary aliens like me could use in a day-to-day -day basis to guide them along. I'm not saying that the entire program was faulty, but I do now see clearly that the, the dogma that is put forth is very harmful. Mm -hmm. it, it strips you of all your ability to reason, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and so it, uh, the reason why uh, after we had our last podcast, Bobby, and I started thinking about what about the family members, you know, I grew up in an alcoholic home, my dad got sober when I was 16. So I lived that lifestyle. And my father was not available when he was drinking. Of course, there were so many other priorities besides us as a, as a family. We were way down the pile, you know, the drinking buddies and everything. And it was really interesting because when he switched to AA, every night of the week, he was gone, fighting for attention, could never get it. And, and you know, I, when I look back at that, you know, it's, it's so representative in our relationship on how, you know, perhaps I've neglected some of my, uh, some of the responsibilities of my kids in my life and probably days because I was busy with program stuff and not prioritizing family in there, you know, because it's AA is first and anything you put in front of AA, you will lose. Mm -hmm. That was, that was more dogma. You know, there was no talk of balance. And so that, you know, when my dad switched from alcohol to AA cult, I was still not able to process. If you are saying that the program is supposed to bring your family back and you're supposed to be, you know, when you do the steps and you'll be a good member of society, 
hey, wait a minute, what about us? What about family time? You know, in, uh, in my family growing up, I mean, this is the extent of my, uh, and it's just my experience. And I don't hold any fault to my family. I don't blame my family being victim. However, in my family, you know, the one time that we did stuff together as a family, my dad took us to Jaws as a movie. <laughs> like, we're only like little kids. We're like eight, nine years old and we go to Jaws. And then the other movie he takes us to is Airport 77, you know, and Towering Inferno. It's like, holy shit, you know? So it's the all or nothing, right? It's the all or nothing mentality. And, you know, as I was saying, you know, when, when Dave and I got together, I was knee deep in the program, circuit speaking and doing all these things. And, and I was glad to be able to do it. But I remember very vividly some of my kids uh, at some point saying, you know, why don't you just stay home tonight? And I just couldn't, you know, so. Which leads me to the one thing after about 10 years that I was starting to notice more and more was that people in AA are taught to blame themselves for mm -hmm. everything that goes on. Mm -hmm. And it's just not true. It's just not true. It's not how life works. We all make mistakes. We hopefully learn from those mistakes. But AA has this way of grinding you down. And, uh, and, and not that everything has to be ground down to a baseline. It's how you build things up again, right? Forests are always better after a fire. I, in my trucking business, I lost my truck repair shop to a fire. I had a great new truck shop mm -hmm. after that. It was, you know, everything comes out of the flames a little bit better. And, and so do a lot of people in AA. But one of the things that I noticed was that there were two, I always believe my background is aviation. I've been, a, I've been a pilot for over 50 years and I still work at the job. One of the mistakes we make in aviation is, you know, someone learns how to fly and they get a little bit of experience. And the next thing you know, they're teaching other people how to fly. So a little bit of a thing. They teach other people how to fly, but they can't teach how to be a pilot. That's two different things. And in AA, you have people who come into the program, and I've watched this, and I made it sort of a personal study. You watch these people come into the program, and just as they start to get their feet underneath them, the program tells them to go out and help other people. Well, they can barely help themselves. Yeah. That's not right. But... There are people who can, you know, walk, talk, and chew gum all at the same time. <laughs> so there are sponsors who can, who can take the, take the if we, for the lack of a better word, the dogma of AA and apply it with some common sense. And then there are other sponsors who just can't do that. The only thing they can do is rhyme the dogma back and no one learns. Yeah. And, right. I'm, and I have to say as a person, I've sponsored hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women over the years. And that it was what I spewed out was dogma. No room for, no room for any kind of discussion. It was no. And, you know, and, and I remember the last sponsor that I uh, tried to connect with, you know, here I am not a brand new person in program trying to, you know, declutter my mess. I had an issue that I spoke to her about and the, like for me, it was, well, I was being a good person. I wanted to help my friend. 
Could that not be a motive? Like after all these years of doing program, being a better person, can I not just naturally want to be a good person? No, 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 no. It's something below. There's something underneath your agenda. And so that was where I said, you know, let's agree to disagree here because I really, I, you know, in all my heart of hearts, I've done this work so many times, so many times. And, and here I am saying, but I am a good person. I really am. I don't have a, I don't have a mean bone in my body. My character is not like that. I can give you an example of how the dogma can work. And it, this one's kind of funny. So when Robbie and I first got together, I had just left my first wife for 42 years. And she said, uh, you need a year all by yourself. And I said, <laughs> no, I don't. She says, yeah, you do. And I said, no, I don't. And I said, if you need a year, hey, that's different. I don't. I know what I want. And so choice is yours. But I don't need a year. And it was just this had to be what the book said, just had to be. Let me, let me jump in there because uh, as you're talking, stuff goes through my head and there's about 15 points that I can make from oh. referencing what you're talking about. But yeah. getting back to that, you know, society picked up, well, society actually gave it to AA and society, it's, it's like a double thing because it comes from society and it comes from AA too, because the AA dogma, the AA indoctrination, is the world's indoctrination. It's not just AA because it's so it's so big. This is a world organization. It's it's the it's the world multi-level marketing organization. Now listen how it works, okay? Go to a therapist. I know somebody that just went to a therapist the other day. I'm not going to say names because I, this is anonymous. I keep up for me it's not anonymous. For other people I have confidentiality. I respect that for other people. Just the other day, yesterday, went to a therapist. You know what the therapist told the person? Don't be in a relationship for a year. <laughs> now, where in the hell did they get that from? They got it from the indoctrination of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. And it's, it, it's no, they, 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 they're indoctrinated. I'll tell you why they're indoctrinated and how, because way back way back when Marty Mann and all started the family disease. See, they created this family disease concept for the, uh, the spouse, the children, all their friends and family. So they created this family disease and the education system went into all the colleges. They were educating all the nurses, educating all the doctors and all the medical profession, you know, professionals. And they were indoctrinating them to Alcoholics Anonymous Society. They were promoting it. So it's been promoted for a long, long time. Actually, it started being promoted in the 1820s, alcoholism, okay, back in the 1820s. But I just wanted to touch base with that. You guys are bringing out some really good points. You know, when I, when I first started going to Alcoholics Anonymous, my wife was going to Al-Anon because it's a family disease, you know, you know, dysfunction. Remember uh, Bradshaw? You know, of course, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, oh, wow. so it's a it's a family disease. So I had to take my daughter to the Al-Anon, you know. I mean, not Al-Anon, uh, Alateen, you know. So here, my daughter, I bring her to Alateen. My wife goes to Al-Anon. 
luckily, you know, I had, I stayed in the cult, but my wife, she, she didn't buy all the Kool-Aid. She didn't drink all the Kool-Aid and, and my daughter didn't either, you know? So fortunate enough that they, that we didn't get like the whole family wasn't this, uh, this, this cult uh, moving in the same direction. And I see Dave wasn't moving in the same direction either because both of you were kind of like, this, but I can relate to so much. This podcast is going to help so many people, so many like families, like Dave, the spouses, hearing from the spouses, you know, hearing from friends. I look at it like sponsorship, no way. Friendship, okay. Yes. Friendship. That's what we're talking about. This sponsor stuff, where did it come from? I don't know. It's it's you know, a lot of it's from the Catholic Church, and it's a lot of it like the sponsor is the priest, you know, the big book is the Bible. That's yes. dogma in itself. Uh, the 12 steps are like the, the 10 commandments. Uh, all the prayers are just the same type of prayers. So I can go on and on and on the similarities, but yes, the dogma. Continue, sorry to- I, Oh go. yeah, no, excellent, excellent points. Um, yeah, it's the family disease. And so I did bring my kids early on to uh, meetings um, and they, they, they did, um, it came to some of my medallions and the big, you know, this presentation. I mean, I was getting off on that stuff. That stuff was really what hooked me into it. The ego part of getting up there and spewing off. And I have a good story. I mean, I got a good story, right? Uh, despite all odds, here I am sitting in Florida. Like, you know, I had every strike against me right from the gate. And, and somehow I've created a, a really good life for myself and my kids and my husband. And, but, you know, I, I taking any credit for that. Mm -mm, nah, no, 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 no. I don't take any credit for that. Like I did the work. Um, and anyway, as I, as I started to get more uncomfortable, not knowing what about the dogma, it just wasn't sitting right. I said, you know, I really would like to start something, start moving because I had gained quite a bit of weight um, and uh, in menopause and at 45, 46 years old, I decided I was saying to some of the people at the meetings, you know, I want to start doing CrossFit. I want to start lifting weights. And, you know, oh, that's a great idea. So I do it and I start really developing my own talents that, you know, it's taking away now from AA. So when I'd show up at the meeting, I'm still in my weightlifting gear. You know, I got my knee sleeves on and I got my hands all bandaged up and chalk everywhere. You know, I get to the meeting and they're like, well, you know, how come you're not here earlier? Well, you know, I wanted to have something else in my life, but no. And as time got on and as I started becoming healthier and more fit and losing weight and looking sharp, no, 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 that was not acceptable. Who do you think you are? You know, you think you're better than us now? All this bullshit. I had to deal with that. So on one hand, you're desperate and getting in the door with nothing, not a pot to piss in. And then as you start becoming a better person and going out in society, no, 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 that's not okay either. So, you know, the cycle of, you know, staying in the same rut and you go, why am I in the same situation? Here I am 15 years in program or 10 and I'm in the same situation, that angst, knowing that my voice is real and the things that I want to do in my life are important to me, but it can't be important if you're in AA, you know, and that's suggestive, but not everybody. I'm just saying from my experience and I got, became more and more uncomfortable with my virtue because now my virtue and my gut were being compromised. I wasn't now, no, I wasn't like the being a robot just stopped working. 
you know, and the glitz and the glamour and the jazz hands all started to fade away. I'm like, I, this is not for me anymore. Well, and, and, you know, and there was a lot of, there's, there's some positive things yeah. with it, for sure. And I would watch speakers and there was, in my mind, and again, I'm an alien. In my mind, there were two kinds of speakers. If they had a half an hour to talk, there were the kind who devoted 20 minutes to, oh, woe is me. Here's how bad I was. I scraped myself up off the bottom. And the last 10 minutes was what were what they did. You're exaggerating. It's not 10 minutes. It was the last one minute. Last one minute. <laughs> and then there, the, then there are the people who would get up and talk. And the first two minutes were how bad it was. And the balance of their talk was how they corrected. Mm -hmm. Those were the good ones. Yes. And unfortunately, those ones were predominantly men. The women seemed to have a real hard time discussing anything other than the bad times. And I get that. It's, it's, how, it's how I guess they justified their bad. And some of the stories, as we all know, are just like I said earlier. I listen to them and I go, wow. And I don't know how I could do that. Some of those stories belong in orange papers. They really do. I mean, the times, the amount of times of betrayal that we experienced, even in the time that we've been together, we experienced betrayal with people in the program. And it's really, it's, it's just, you know, I don't understand and I will never understand because it's not in my character to have some underlying agenda. And the program strips away the ability for people like Robbie to understand that they're losing their common sense. Mm -hmm. It strips it away. So someone like me, I'm sitting there and all these things with the betrayal and everything else, I would see them all. And I would say to her, I said, just relax. Just let it bounce off your back. Mm -hmm. It's not personal. They just don't know how to make it not personal. But trust me, they really don't care about you. They're really, you're not, you're not paranoid. They're not out trying to get you. But it was a hard sell. Mm -hmm. It was a really hard sell. Yeah. And uh, I remember I went to a couple uh, NA meeting. Oh, uh, that was an eye opener. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I said, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, Oops. <laughs> it was pretty wild. And I thought, and it was, it was a, just a, it just branched off in a different direction. I actually, I was actually laughing as I came out of one of their meetings. I thought, I, if I told my friends about this, I would, all my friends knew I went to AA meeting. And they said, oh, you finally discovered what's wrong with yourself. And I said, no, there's nothing wrong with me. And, but I said, you go to one of those meetings and man, you want to thank your lucky stars that there's something not wrong with you because there are a lot of people who are hurting, but that program isn't what they need in my opinion. Well, let me let me just touch base. You mentioned a lot of things earlier. You mentioned that uh, you chose to not drink. Okay, and so so do you do you do you uh, indulge in a drink once in a while? Okay, now so here so here's the here's my point. Okay, because my program that that not my program but the program that I'm trying to relate to audience and, and young people is that we create our own program okay mm -hmm. here dave here here's robin and dave there's no difference between them look at them right now at this moment neither one of them choose to use alcohol they're abstinence 
Okay, that's their choice. Now I'm only talking about this moment. So what separates them? Uh, what what separates them from anybody else in the world? Even if they chose to maybe have a, a, a drink once in a while. Here, here's here's the thing right now. The, the only thing that separates them is this word that somebody would say Robin is an alcoholic. Okay, Dave is not. See, so it's the label that I want to get rid of. It's, you know, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going from anonymous addiction to no more labels, no more anonymous addiction. There's no need to be. And Robin was bringing up this thing about celebration. The coins are the hook. Yeah. Okay. They're the, the hook. Whole... They're the time. Oh, the ego. We got to feed it. Oh, we have. I don't tell people how long I've stopped smoking. When you stop another different habit, do you, do you count days? This is the only place that you can you can be the most screwed up person in the world. You know, I'm talking the most screwed up person in the world and get the biggest applause, you know, yeah. because it's like a gang. You're in this gang. Instead of going to the bars anymore, you go into this gang of AA and you hear all these war stories and all. The, wow. He went to jail five times. He was in 15 rehabs. He almost died 10 times. He was divorced seven times, you know. Oh, wow. Look at Jimmy. Oh, he's so great. Look, he's sober now. You know, I'll tell you what, it's the mm -hmm. hook. So, oh, when, so when Dave stopped drinking the first year, <laughs> I would, I said, do you want me to go get you a chip just so you got something in your hand as a joke? But anyway, <laughs> I wanted to go get me chips. And what I would do, what I said to her one day, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, so you get me one of those, you know, the six months or the seven, whatever they have. And I said, then I'll have a drink and I'll get another one. And I said, I want to build a necklace. Yeah, I want right. to be like the mayor of some small country town. I'm going to have a necklace. They do that. What, yeah. They, they do. They do. And some people, man, they, they would look like a rapper. They'd have gold necklaces around their neck with all these, all these little, you know, the, the thingies on it. And I just, I'm sitting there and when I say I'm laughing, I'm not laughing at them. I'm laughing at the concept that you're, they say this is, it's not a reward. Well, if it's not a reward, then don't spend the money on handing out a button that's not a reward. Exactly. It's like getting a trophy after you uh, worked your heart. And at the bottom, it says, Robbie, participant. Like, give me a break, right? You either... You know, it's it's like out of Star Wars yeah. with Yoda. It's there is no there is no try. There is only do or do not. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask David. Let me ask David a question. Uh, maybe I I could be off off grounds here, but I I kind of would imagine. Maybe I would think that this this occurs. The spouse would attend and go to certain AA meetings and certain AA functions just to be with their spouse because. If they don't go, if they don't participate, how in the hell can I get some connection with my loved one? You know, am I off base with that, Dave? Uh, well, not I, in our situation. I didn't but... go to be with Robbie. I, I found the whole thing fascinating, quite <laughs> like frankly. A... <laughs> I, was, I was doing my own PhD thesis on why in the world do people put up with the dogma? You could get the same results, but you didn't need to be ground down. Mm -hmm. 
right? Nothing is ever, ever successful when you take away a person's personality, unless they're Charlie Manson or Adolf Hitler. And then that's probably a good right. thing. Yeah. But nothing is ever accomplished by grinding a person's personality down. Mm -hmm. Then what you have is a blank page with nothing to fill it in. And that's the worst situation, mm -hmm. I think. And that was me. I started to feel like I'm just saying words that have no meaning anymore. I'm just repeating just garbage because it was working. And one of the things I would do that would, <laughs> that we, in this one church basement where in the initial home group that I walked, went in with Robbie, it was, I guess, their Sunday school. And they had this accordion wall with all the <laughs> disciples. Of what, I'm not a religious person. So if anybody's listening to this and they get offended, I apologize. Anyway, we would drag this across at some of these meetings. I would help set up. That would it was be like for the a closed meeting. Yeah, it would be a separate room. You know how you have the yeah. wall pertains so you could have a step four meeting here and step yeah. five over here or something. And so people would come in who would know I'm just there to help set up because I can't go to closed meetings. And they say, hi, how are you doing today? I said, I'm having a great time pulling the wall of Jesus across the room. <laughs> and they would just not know what to say. <laughs> Right. Yeah. They didn't get it. Yeah. They didn't get it. And uh, and I, I had actually enjoyed it. I mean, it was. And then I, I go back out to my car and I leave. Hey, I had nothing else to do. And that was something that we like to do together. Yeah. Because I was setting up the meetings. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And then we inter, we uh, interrelated with a lot of people from a not socially at all. But there were some people we, we asked to we paid them to do work for us. And uh, there was this one particular lady who was, you really wanted to, if she shook your hand, you wanted to check and make sure you had all your jewelry, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, we, I owed her some money and she came over to our condo and I went down to meet her and I handed her the money and she said, great, thanks. I said, no, oh, I said, uh, and I used to fly, my, my flying career wasn't with the airlines, it's with private people, corporate and wealthy individuals. And I used to fly for a very, very wealthy Canadian Jewish family. And whenever they would bring money out to put on the airplane in our safe, they always insisted that we count it in front of them. Now, they would get, we, my EA at the time, she didn't want to do it. And this little short rabbi guy, he said, no, 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 you insult me if you don't. So I, I handed an envelope with this money to this lady who'd done work for us. And she said, great, thanks. I said, no, you have to count it. You got to do it in front of me. She got so offended. I said, well, I'll take it back. But if you want the money, you have to count it and you have to count it in front of me. And she really hasn't spoken to us since then. <laughs> she couldn't okay. handle it. But it, it's, it's that, I don't know. I don't even know. It, it's a vestige of, of not being allowed to be yourself. Right. Now, in some cases, that's good, but you should, they should never strip away everything, right? Because there's a lot of good things in everybody. Everybody has some good in everybody, right? Don't take that away. That's part of who they are. You know, my stepchildren, Robbie's kids, and my kids who are much older, it was the funniest thing you'd ever want to see when, when they finally got together and they're trading stories about me. <laughs> And Andrew and Vanessa, Robbie's children, were talking about my kids, telling them what they were planning to do. And, and my kids looked at each other and then they looked at them and said, have you tried that yet? <laughs> and they said, no. And they said, good luck. Let us know how it goes. Right. So 
you have to leave people to be individuals. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. You got robots. And that's what I was for sure. You know, you know, talking, talking to the audience, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the audience now, Robbie and Dave's relationship is, is a, everyone's not like that. Okay. I, I think that yous were too fortunate really to have that relationship because you still had each other. Okay. So, but there's a lot of people out there that wear the, the, like, like Robbie's dad, where we run to AA and their spouses and, and their AA, uh, their children never see them. And AA is number one because Alcoholics Anonymous teaches that their common welfare comes first. Okay. So the steps take your body, mind, and spirit. The traditions take you. Okay. It takes you and takes your individuality yes. and makes you one part of Alcoholics Anonymous. This way, it's more important than your family, your wife, your friends. I remember when I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I left all my old friends because they always talked about people, places, and things. Yeah. People, places, and things. I left all my, yeah. all, my, all my family, my friends. I went in AA and all AA became encompassed with all my friends in Alcoholics Anonymous and this and that and blah, 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 and going to study meetings and you know going to the step meetings and stuff like that. So for you individuals out there, we understand too that the cult took your spouse away, you know, and uh, and that that led to a lot of different different trauma in the family itself, when the children and the spouses. Yeah, and the other thing, um, now where was I going to go with that? Oh, in relationships. Yeah, I I actually took a break from relationships for a couple of years, and that's when I met Dave. And our situation was a little unusual, but we managed to work things through things and we're together and we're together soulmates and we're best friends. And I feel very fortunate that I have a great relationship within people in the program, but I can guarantee before Dave came into my life, I had a lot of terrible, terrible relationship choices. I had no business in these relationships. Right. And so, you know, I slugged through really bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship in program. And at one point after I left my first husband, I was in a relationship with somebody in program who was beating the shit out of me every other weekend when my kids were away. And I was, and I thought he was doing me a favor. So, I mean, when I say, you know, after I came, became aware of Orange Papers and Victor and meeting you or talking with you, it was really like, I felt like my whole identity was gone. You know, I was out there like untethered going, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I can't do that anymore. And I apologize for the language, but that's the only word. I had no identity. And I say right now, I'm building myself up brick by brick. This, you know, our exchange and speaking is very helpful for me to know that my gut was telling me all along my truth and it didn't coincide with what aa was was trying to what what i was doing i had no business in aa i really did now when i see it so i am rebuilding my life entirely you know um and i'm so glad that you know what brought us together and the trials and tribulations that we've had since coming out of this programming 
has only brought us closer together. And I, you know, I, I know that my, that the, you know, it's like finding a needle in a haystack, you know, we're a perfect match for each other, we're companions and we have each other's back. And that was something that I didn't experience really in AA. I thought I did, you know, but now when I look at it, as I said, you know, it's through another lens now and I'm rebuilding my whole self-esteem and my entire life is just drastically changing and it's up and down. You know, there's days that I just, I have zero, I have zero energy. I just, you know, I just keep saying today, I hate people, you know, I, and, and, and I've never said that as much as I have, you know, and is it a reflection of what, you know, I, the hate is what I did to myself, never listening to myself. What's my favorite expression with you now? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Could be so many. <laughs> <laughs> too, too many balls in the air. Definitely. <laughs> too many balls in the air. She'd say, let's do this, 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 this. I'd say, uh-uh, pick yeah. one. Yeah. Pick and one, do it well. Put that ball away, grab another one out of the air, but do not have too many balls in the air. And that's the thing. I am rebuilding brick by brick. I feel very, very raw still. It's been, all, well, it'll be two years in August that I've walked away from program, but I still feel raw. I still feel a lot of sadness. I feel a lot of rage. I feel a lot of emotion. And one of the really great things is, as I've talked to you at, at length before, is about sport for me. I started weightlifting, what, 10, 11 years ago. And that's been a real help for me to get that rage out, to get that rage out, you know? And, and one of the things I think that happens and that, that I've worked with Robbie on is that everybody has, everybody has something that they do well. It's, it's just the way it is. And I'm told, and I don't believe anybody about this, they say that my, my well, some people, some men at the gym, they will say, uh, we always like talking to you because you're the only person we know that just is level <laughs> all the time. They say your voice just calms us all down. And I said, you're not talking about me because inside here, it's not. <laughs> but everybody says that. So do I believe it? Well, okay, that's fine. But everybody has something, right? Everybody. And, and I think what happens is if we could pay more attention to that, you ask other people. Ask a stranger who's only met you for half an hour to tell you what he likes or doesn't like. I got pulled over by a guy years before I ever met Robbie. I was in my 30s. And he, um, I forget where we were, but he said to me, he said, if you have, he didn't even know me. We were, we were, in, we were in a bar, actually. And uh, he said, do you, would you be able to listen to my story? I said, sure. I didn't even say sure. He'd buy me a beer. I just said, sure. And he went on for about an hour and it was fascinating. And then he said, you know, thanks very much for listening. And he was gone. Right. And if we listen more, you know, <laughs> and, two ears, two eyes, one mouth. <laughs> and, and, you know, we talk about building your own program. My program includes exercise, diet, and well-being. I want to be a better person. I want to be able to move and do things in my 70s and 80s you know so i look after like the temple. yeah exactly 
but like I want to look after myself. So I'm not interested in, in, in alcohol. I'm just not. It's a life choice. Um, and I'm developing my own program. And I kind of like what works for me is following my intuition. It's following that inner. I don't know I can because I don't have a label for what my program is right now. But what I'm trusting is my intuition and my gut. And I've said it before on podcasts. If you're in that position where you don't know, trust the gut. That's really where the answers lie, you know? And for the people who want to break out of the cult from as an outsider watching it, when Robbie was still in it, uh, she was a lot more content from an outsider's point of view. Everything was level, right? But as she comes out of the cult, that sine wave starts to go. Wee, oh, yes. Wee, wee, it's still wee. like that. It's still like that. Yeah. Right. But that's the real Robbie. Yes. Right? Yeah, right. That's the real Robbie. And people who listen to this and decide that what we're talking about and getting out of it is for them. They need to understand that it's not it's not all sunshine and roses. There's going to be these oh. ups and downs. And that may be what you're like. And if you were like this in AA, maybe you end up being like me, this this flat line. Yeah. But anybody who really knows me knows I'm not that yeah. much of a problem. And I always would consider myself a real extrovert. Like anybody that knows me from childhood on, I am out there. I got a mouth. But I'm coming to learn maybe I am a bit of an introvert. And I'm embracing that as well by spending time alone, which I never did before. And I really enjoy my own company. And I'm not lonely. And that. That really is the virtue, right? It really is something really positive that's coming out of this whole transformation. Is I really like myself. So you know, let, let me say one thing about that before I lose my train of thought, because both of you brought together something really so real. Because when you're an Alcoholics Anonymous, you're giving your will and your life over to somebody else's care that is responsible for you. So that gives you this keel leaving keel because you're not responsible anymore okay you don't have to do nothing all you got to do is follow so yeah. you're, you're not a authentic it's not yeah. spontaneous so when dave was saying the ups and downs that's yeah. what's that's called life this exactly. is a life program so yeah. what we're doing is when we create our own life program our own program yes we're going to have good days and bad days we're going to we're going to feel different things we're, we're not, it's going to be hard to make decisions, but we don't have to have, see, the hard part is because we're starting to think for ourselves. We're starting logically, uh, critically think and be responsible for our own well-being. And that's not easy. That's difficult. The easy yeah. part is to just give your will over and give your life over and let somebody else take care of you and not be responsible. Today, we're responsible. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Just one point about Robbie talking about her alone time that she likes. It's really fascinating. I haven't talked to her about this. So, oh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. <laughs> okay. so uh, we're, we're down in Florida right now. I still fly for a living. I'm just, we're not doing too much right now because of COVID and just the way it is. But uh, so Robbie came on ahead of me and, and, uh, and then it, she was she'd been down here about two or three weeks and then we're, we're facetiming all the time 
And uh, I said, I'm going to be down on the 21st, you know, if I have to walk, no problem. So she's nervous about getting me down here, right? Nervous. And I understand that. I'm anxious to get down too. So I come down, I'm down here and it's just after Christmas. And actually it's just maybe three or four days ago. And she said, so when do you have to go back to work? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did say that. <laughs> A lot of people would be upset by that. But that's life, right? Everybody needs their alone time. Robbie needs more than I do. I need it now. She needs it now. It's now, it is because I've never... I never had an intimate relationship with myself. I didn't. I thought I did, but I really didn't. And I'm starting to get to know myself. And that is so precious. It really is precious. And I'm very, very, very overwhelmed with gratitude. I get these waves of like freedom. And it is just so palatable. I can't, it, it, it's just so important to me. You know, and that I don't have those chains around my wrists anymore. And alone time is good. Yeah. It's very good. And she would often say to me, you know, I'd be sitting on the couch or something and, and you know, and she would start talking and I would go, oh, you're talking to me. Because <laughs> if I, if I want to be alone, I don't have to be physically alone. I just turn the switch and I'm alone. Right. I'm lucky though. Yeah. You're not built like me. And that's why, you know, we, it works so well. Let's see, we're going on, this is usually about 45 minutes, so let's wind it up. I want, I want Dave to say something to the audience, something that, that could help some spouse or friend that, that belongs to Alcoholics Anonymous that's involved, and maybe uh, the, the spouse is transitioning out of, out of AA. Robin, you say something, and then I'll close with something. So let's do another maybe five minutes. Yeah, well, I, I just, I always close with trust your gut. Follow your intuition. And it will never lead you astray. It really won't. Patience. <laughs> That's what the spouse has to have, is a lot of patience. But, but uh, the word's escaping me. Um, common sense patience. You can't expect everybody coming out of something like uh, AA to all of a sudden just throw a switch and be on the other side. There will be some. But not most in my, you know, from my life experience. Especially long-term people long -term, like myself yeah. and you and Marcy and all the people that's so been, patience know. and understanding and knowing that it always works out. One way or the other, it always works out. It's like a doctor friend of mine said, all diseases are binary. They have two outcomes. You yeah. either live or you don't. That's it. Same thing. You either recover or you don't. But if your spouse helps you through by taking those highs and lows and averaging them out, you'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thank you, Dave, Robbie. Let's get back together and we'll do a second part to this someday uh, soon. I want. Oh, I, ho I hope you. I hope you to enjoy your stay in uh, Florida. Uh, I'll be out there probably in April. Uh, I have a little place in Florida, in Vera Beach, but. But to the audience, thank you for listening. We hope today we helped somebody maybe. And if we didn't, I'll tell you what, it helped me. It helped, it helped Robbie yeah. and it helped yeah. Dave. So uh, this is what this thing's all about. If you'd like to come on the podcast, don't forget to DM me, message me. And don't forget to subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. Please subscribe. Everybody have a safe, healthy, 
and fun. Don't forget the fun. Fun that, day today, right? We're not uh, a glum. We're not, we're not a glum lot. No, no, we're not a glum lot. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Okay, Peace bye. out. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.